Hey, it's Brian, and welcome to TPN The Walk-On. Today's episode, Joel thinks the Lions will have more wins than the Rams, while telling me why he doesn't think the Super Bowl streaker bet is real. Then we sit down with Blackjack extraordinaire Richie Talley. And now, from the Bet Bunker in Brooklyn, here is your host, Joel Walkowski. Oh, Joel, that Super Bowl was, I don't know what you say, terrible? It was awful, but this is great. Welcome to TPN, The Walk On. I'm Joel Walkowski, the professional gambler. And joining me, as always, over there in the John Wilkes, the techie trekkie, Brian Allen Mitchell. Hello, a.k.a. Hall of Famer, a.k.a. Cook. I don't know. Hall of Famer, C-H-A-L-L-A-H, Famer. (laughs) (laughs) He makes some great French toast. That's what I want the people to know. And can we take a second? Can we give a props network welcome to the latest member to join the Brooklyn comedy community, Sweet Vivi? Oh, I sure to have a picture of Vivi. A cute little lab mix. Uh, She's she's a she's an attacker a little bit of the the feet and the ankles, but I love her. Can't wait. Can't wait till she get big and all that. And it's just a matter of weeks till Brian has a sexually suggestive painting of him with his dog in the background (laughs) of the shot. Did you see I was dyslexic going off the screen there? I had the wrong side. (laughs) Soon enough. Soon enough. Uh, Just tell me you're a painter and, uh, you know, we'll get things in the works. It's Mary Houlihan, uh, Brooklyn Comedy Zone. Houlihan, great. This was her first and uh, people hate it, but I do know that a lot of people ordered the same thing from her after I did it. Oh, that's so funny. But we got, um, we've got some things to talk about. Oh, yeah. And I'm going to need, I love working for the Props Network. This is my purpose. This is why I'm on this planet, to make people better, more entertained gamblers. And I'm going to need a little bit of something in return from the Props Network. What you talking about, Joe? We need a line published. We need something actionable because the big fella... Call me a camel, because I got a hunch. <laughs> what? Yeah. Okay. All right. We saw some very slight divisional odds come out right now. Not many season roster moves have been affected. The league year has not begun. But the Rams are plus 170 favorites in the NFC West. A great division. A super talented division, three good coaches, three good quarterbacks, and then, you know what, enough firepower on the 49ers and Cardinals to make up for what they don't have. Mm. Meanwhile, the Detroit Lions, plus 2,700 to win the NFC North. So Vegas, you could tell from that, they think that the Rams are much, 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 much better than the Detroit Lions. Now, I need a line. I need it published. I need to throw down on this because the Lions are having more regular seasons than the Rams next season. In 2021, so you can scroll down, you can see that those lines are plus 27 to confirm and... I want to make the case that the Lions will have more wins than the Rams. And this kind of goes over based off of a 
article published by Mitch Album about Matthew Stafford today. I love the article. I enjoyed reading it. I don't understand why it was worked into Tuesdays with Maury, but you know what? That's not for me to decide upon. Oh, hold on. So, so let me explain it. So you're telling me that the Lions, the Lions with the whole new coaching staff is going to have more wins than the Rams with the number one defense. With the number one defense, with a former number one pick at quarterback, with one of the best coaches in the NFL, yes, I'm telling you that they are the better choice to win more games than the Rams. And we're going to get plus money on this. We're going to have plus odds. I see it as an amateur odds maker as a plus 450 proposition. And I think that we'll be told by the odds makers. Can you take down that site? Sam hates it. Okay. And I think that there's going to be value in this. First of all, let's look at the Rams cap. This is a top heavy team next year. We've got 20 million in cap going to Donald, 18 to Ramsey, 10 to Cup, 12 to Woods, 7 to Whitworth. And you know what? A hell of a lot to Stafford. One of those guys goes down it's a house of cards. The Rams are built more top-heavy than any team in the NFL, and they're built in a complementary fashion. Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald, they're so good at defense because they're there together. One reinforces the other, and mm -hmm. that goes with the passing game as well. Stafford, he complements those receivers, but the rest of the roster, that O-line, that running back room, that linebacking core, the rest of that secondary... They're below average as an NFL football team. Now, what division are they in, Brian? NFC West. They're playing twice for the Seahawks. They're playing twice versus the rejuvenated 49ers and twice versus a decent, exciting, and high upside Arizona Cardinals team. What division are the Lions in? The NFC, what, you got North? North, yeah. NFC that? North, and yeah. yeah, we know Aaron Rodgers is going to carry Green Bay to 12 wins. Similarly, Minnesota had a terrible defense. Minnesota is hamstrung by cap issues, and Chicago, we don't know who their quarterback is. We saw that defense get old, and I think both those teams could easily be next year's surprise stinker, giving us a 4-12 and record in the NFC North. And just looking around those divisions, I mean, if you were to pick the top five teams, like, wouldn't it be the Packers and four NFC West squads in that one? When you say that the Niners are re like they're rejuvenated, we don't know if Jimmy Garoppolo is going to get traded or anything like that. But Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't need to do much. The quarterback in a Kyle Shanahan offense with, what does he have? He's got good protection. He's got a good tight end. And he's got an offense that's not predicated on any scheme. It's just trying to help out the personnel that's in the room. And you know what? That's going to be the situation in Detroit. I know the Lions are terrible. I know that they were historically bad this year, but you can't – it can be one of two things. Was okay. Matt Patricia one of the worst coaches in NFL history, yes. or was this a terrible roster? Because it can't be both. It's not a terrible roster. It was a, It's a total terrible coach. I mean, I remember 
<laughs> I was seeing this one article about how uh, they were asking Patricia what his defense was going to be. Was it going to be a 4-3, 3-4? And he's like, irrelevant. Doesn't matter. We're going to do different. We're, we're going to have a lot of different sub packages. That's gross, right? That's because you have your when you're when you're coming out of college, you're you might be playing four three, you might be playing three four, and then even the the new defensive coordinator for uh, for the Lions was like uh, a lot of people just look confused out there. Yes, because he was trying. Matt Patricia was trying to be some sort of Vincent Van Gogh of the, this defense and make this thing so. Uh, like super smart and it's like you're you're not that and just play your regular just play regular defense that everyone's used to so you get the best out of everybody so yes they can get better that way uh and i think you'll improve there um but jaron goff he he if you have a consistent run game jared goff is the guy that you want and what is jared goff jared goff is someone who Never really played in his system. He never really got to grow and like, yeah, it's cool that Sean McVay was in his ear up until 10 seconds before the snap telling him exactly what to do. Mm. But is that going to help a quarterback develop? Is that going to help someone grow on the job? No. And the Lions, where did Dan Campbell, new head coach, come from? New Orleans. What has New Orleans done over the past three seasons they've built a very good offense around a terrible quarterback Mm. and i'm telling you the lions they you can make fun of them you can shit on this team but there's a decent o-line there there's a good running back there and there's a good tight end there and Mm. that's what you need you prop jared goff up up with all these things that help a quarterback you're playing in third and short in the entire games and it's not a great offense but it's a functional one Mm -hmm. and i don't see the lions as being like a playoff team no but i think they can be next year's carolina i think they can be surprisingly competent and feisty and let's also weigh in the factor that they got some of the best assistant coaches of anyone anthony lynn is in charge of this run game Dan Campbell, what did he do in New Orleans? No, he didn't bite any kneecaps. He designed the offense for Alvin Kamara. Who's the most similar player to, in the NFL to Alvin Kamara, Brian? Uh, he's on his own pedestal. Who, who, if there's one running back in the NFL who could actually play that similar role in an offense, a shifty back with pass-catching pass abilities, who Ooh. is it? Ooh, that's your that's your Swift. That's, that's your DeAndre boy Swift. Swift. He was a former SEC player of the year. He's good in the pass game. He's good in the running game. And in a team that was so misguided that the entire locker room was gunning for him to have the lead role over a hundred year old Adrian Peterson, yeah. they didn't give it to him. Yeah, and I think that was a huge slap in the face for a for a cowbell running back to be like, oh, I'm gonna, I love Adrian Peterson, but. Like, this is my job. And for the, for the coaching staff not to trust him probably puts him in a bad position because he, then you're trying to do a little bit too much, you know? Exactly. So the Lions, they're going to be competent on offense. They're not going to be great. They're mm. not going to be the Chiefs or the Chargers or the Buccaneers, but they're going to move the ball. They're yeah. going to play with intensity, and they're going to be able to protect. And that's enough. And yeah. Yeah. I, but this is – the the, the Rams are thin. They are like paper thin, pretty much, and that, and that's okay because I mean that's 
they know their window. They know that Matthew Stafford is not going to be there forever. So you have a two-year window to win now. So pretty much the cards are going to fall. Like the cards will fall uh, soon, and they're going to be <laughs> they're going to re be reverting a lot of uh, contracts to signing bonuses so they could stay under the cap. Uh, but. Hey, hats off to Sean McVay trying to do this, which could fail very, very poorly. And you know? the Rams, they could struggle because of injuries. They could struggle because of a good division. They could struggle simply because Andre Whitworth, Andrew Whitworth is too old to be a left tackle in the modern NFL. And hey, mm -hmm. in that album piece that came out today, Stafford talked about the five injuries he had last year. He has two broken backs before that. He has two shoulder surgeries before that. How's this guy staying healthy? Well, he's gonna. He's got some L.A. Uh, he's got to talk to LeBron a little bit. See, so get one of those uh, chambers that you can just sleep in for a little bit get hibernated and that's why i want to see this these odds put out i'm not saying it'll happen but i may, am saying it's logically going to be decent plus money and the detroit lions i know they're a doormat i know they're an embarrassing franchise mm. but the detroit lions have a peculiar way of stepping up when the chips are down against them so 1999 I am in eighth grade. Barry Sanders retires the day before training camp. The Lions lose their best receiver, Herman Moore, in week one and are forced to start a third-round quarterback. That team goes 9-7, and seven, makes the playoffs. Calvin Johnson retires. They have no one to fill the void. They're stuck with his dead cap. They can't even add a number one receiver to go along with it. They get Marvin Jones just to throw him in there. He's never really proven himself. And, like, you know the offense is going to really suffer. You don't know what the scheme is going to be. The Lions go 9-7 and seven and make the playoffs. So when Barry left, they overperformed. When Calvin left, they overperformed. And I think there's a very real thing about structuring your offense around one guy's preferences. What's the worst thing you could do in forming a functional group? Don't don't do it. Don't <laughs> cut, don't cater to member preferences. That's what the Lions always do. And by simply not having the number one pick, this or Calvin Johnson or Barry Sanders, they're able to actually overcome how poorly run of an organization it is. Like they don't have the Ford family instilling power upon these franchise guys. Yeah. And that's going to give them flexibility to not have a scheme, to do what suits their personnel, to just try and be effective and not try and play a certain style. And yeah, maybe they'll go three and 13, but I think there's a good chance this is a competitive, likable 7-9 and nine team. And I think it's just as likely that the Rams could struggle. I don't think this is really a bullish Lions pick. I look at the Rams' ages. I look at the Rams' salaries. I look at the Rams' injury history and division. And I don't know why this team is getting some of the best odds for the Super Bowl next year. Well, because they're the they're the hotness. They're they're the hot flash in the pan right now. Um, upsetting the Seahawks, it shows like oh, all this talk about Russ is he getting traded? So they're they're in flux a little bit in that division, and uh, I I, I want to see what the Niners do. I think that's going to be a, a really good uh, outlook to see what they're going to do because they're 
they're also a quarterback away. Their defense, and they they're very scrappy, and they've found different ways to win or even like just be competitive. So, have a good quarterback that doesn't you get your right decision. Does does he go? Does Carson Wentz go to the Niners? Maybe. We don't know where it's going to go. That's a, then that's that division is fun. That, and, that's just a fun division. And even with no quarterback, the the Niners have owned the Rams for two straight seasons. Nick Mullins beat that team this year. Russell Wilson lost to that team, but Nick Mullins beat him. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of think that the Rams are finishing third in that division next season. Am I crazy? Yeah, oh, probably. But boy. I still don't like the Rams more than the Seahawks. The Seahawks had needed to address their O line. They didn't do it Forever. in time. Yeah. The 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 49ers had the year from hell. They still have a brilliant coach. I'll take them over McVay, honestly. They still yeah. have amazing protection and weapons and defensive line. I think they have the, got the third highest talent level. I think they've got the third best coach. And I don't think that they don't have the best quarterback in this division. So Tell me why the Rams are a Super Bowl team, even with my boy, Matty, even with probably the person who I love third most on this earth under center. I think the Rams are overvalued. I need Sammy Kotler to walk up to those casino bigwigs, apologize for our episode about counting cards, which we just taped and it's really fun. So stick <laughs> around for it and say, hey, we need you to put up the Walkowski. And they're like, what's the Walkowski? Is that like, uh, is that that Jeff Bridges character? And no, (laughs) even though I look good in a bathrobe and shades and raking a weed, going on my adventures, that's not what this is about. This is about putting up a line, putting up a bet line, because it's going to happen. Lions, more wins than the Rams. Put it out there for me, Sam. I don't ask much of you aside from you catering your company to my wants at every possible turn and a decent salary. But um, I don't ask for much outside of that other than a daily show and be allowing me to cover these things like I want. But aside from that, I don't ask for much. So, Sam, (laughs) make me happy as an employee. Make me happy to work for you. Make this Lions Rams bet exist because I'm going to hammer it. Call me Jimmy Carter on a day off because I am hammering it. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) What do you mean, oh, boy? Hey, you you get him to go to those casinos because they're going to be like, um, who, who, what? And then it's going to be like, you need, you need to go. You're, you're upsetting everybody. All right. So let's move on. Before we do, let me give some love to my new favorite thing to do, Monkey Knife Fight. You can use promo code WALKON for a $50 bonus. I play this. It's fun. It puts player props into an easy-to-understand competitive interface that's honestly pretty fun to play you have head-to-head props you pick one guy to come out on top you pick one guy to score 15 points and you try and combine total of points scored there's so many fun interactive competitive prop bets anyone who's watched an nba game can have a good time with this my mother could have a good time playing this my fiance she's never placed a sports bet in her life i'm gonna have her play it tonight I promise you she will have a good time. Oh, also, can I give the caveat that um, we did have some action on me and Settlers of Catan last night and cash those tickets, my friends. Okay, so let's move along. I don't know if you got this mailed to you, Brian. I certainly got a lot of people mailing it to me. The Super Bowl streaker. Oh, yeah. Oh, the streaker. This guy. 
Yeah, that's fun. Um, he, it's, he, it's, he, I think the fun thing is is that he had his mask still in his hand. That's pretty good. Yeah. He's practicing safety. He knows you can wear nothing at all except a mask, and you will be okay, and you will score more touchdowns than the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. And there's a rumor, a lot of people sent it my way, that this gentleman made a 50K wager on himself to streak. He said it paid off 7-1, to one, and... Is that allowed? Can no. you do that? No. No, this story is fake. <laughs> Call me Snopes.com because I am debunking this. I don't know a casino, a sports book, an individual who would take $50,000 worth of actions on a prop bet. You see him? He, why did you? You got to dive head first there, you know? <laughs> he, he knew he was going to get blasted. That's the thing right there. And here's That's a good juke. It is a good juke. And here's the deal. The Chiefs could have used him as the running back for sure. Streaking in the Super Bowl is cool. He's Morgana the Kissing Bandit. He's Craig Sager sneaking on the diamond to run alongside Hank Aaron after his game-winning home run. That is enough. And that's also not a reason to believe this story. Allegedly. Why is it not? He told this story in a sports bar. He ran into some people the next day, and he said, yeah, you know, I placed a bet on myself to pay out. And I don't doubt that he told that story yeah. to people. I don't doubt that he paid $1,000 to get himself out of jail. But first of all, no casino will take that bet. And second of all, if it comes out that you directly influenced the outcome of a bet, a casino is not going to see the story that has, like, transcended the airwaves, become a, a bigger gambling story than Mattress Mac putting three and a half mil on the game and winning. Why haven't we heard from the casino on this? You think this is the biggest gambling story of the oh, year and a casino is just twiddling their thumbs while the world laughs at them about a $350,000 payout? I don't know. I... I don't know. I, I think on like Bravada, didn't they say something that they're checking some irregularities? Um, I, I mean, if it's an online like unregulated site, then you might be able to dabble, but right? No online irregulated site would give you your payout that quickly. It takes days oh. to clear. If it's a casino, how would he have cashed that ticket by the next day being at a being at a sports bar? Are there sports books in Florida? I don't think there are. Yeah. Are there online casinos that will pay out that quickly? I don't think there are. Are there no. sports books that would take $50,000 worth of action on a 7 to 1 prop bet? I don't think there are. Hmm, that is interesting because that that makes sense, you know, for that quick payout. They don't, do, yeah. They, they, I mean, look at your, you know, the, your other bets. You know, it takes a while for that to clear, especially of that type of amount. Absolutely. Like, Wait a minute. And like, this is uh, this is a Richie Tolle. Hold on, Mister Tolle. I don't think you. I don't think so. Yeah, and. I'm calling this story the unshowered ghost of Tommy Chong because it stinks to high heaven, my friend. <laughs>
The streaker streaked. He didn't make $350,000 off it. Being naked on the field of the Super Bowl disrupting Tom Brady's fourth quarter is cool enough. You don't need to lie. You don't need to make this a big gambling story because you did it already. This is just someone riding high and embellishing a little bit. And the amount that he got is just it just enough to be like, yeah, that sounds like a good payout. And it's not it, it's not like elaborate. It's not like a million dollars or anything. So, hmm. Yeah. I, I want something to come out here soon. So it would be like, it was vague. But then what does that do for him? Like, it does nothing. Like, you're you're not going to be like a sponsor or anything. Like, you you lied. You, you suck. And this wasn't him <laughs> putting out that story. This was him running into someone, talking a little shit, and it becoming a phenomenon. I would love to hear his reactions. I got to find this guy's social. But hey, I don't think this is real. I, everything I know about gambling, and we've been following this stuff closely for years, nothing suggests authenticity with this story. The yeah. realest thing he had was his ass cheeks out on the field. <laughs> so we are talking about cheating casinos. And you know why I'm suspicious about this story? Because I know our next guest. I know how hard that can be. And, you know, we conducted this story in advance. And uh, having this guy get caught in the crazy way he gets caught, that tells me the level of security and scrutiny these wagers are subjected to. I mean, call me, call it. Hunter S. Thompson post after a postmortem nasal passage cleansing ceremony because it smells to high heaven. Didn't happen, but our next story did. Stick around for it. So gambling, it's the exact opposite of relationship. It's the one place where a cheater is likable. What do you think about that, Brian? Uh, the way you put it uh, is too sweet to my ears. Uh, but yes, you're you're exactly right. It's like that TV show Cheaters, but for good cheaters, right? Yeah, it's like for good cheaters. We just talked about that guy streaking in the Super Bowl, allegedly cheating a sports book. But there are better ways to be casinos. And, you know, it's not going to be done by a streaker. It's not going to be done by George Clooney in Ocean's Eleven. It's going to be done by people with a fascination for beating systems. Mm -hmm. So my good friend, his name is Richie. He's one of the most capable people I know. I trust him with all things finance. But when it comes to beating systems, he is the personification of getting a coat hanger and sticking it up a vending machine so you can wrangle yourself a free Twix bar. So I'm going to bring on Richie right now to tell a winding, wonderful, exciting tale about how he beat the house in Casino. It about how he beat the house in Blackjack and got caught. Say hello to Richie Tollway. Hey, thanks for having me on. You got me scared with that uh, coat hanger reference. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you're, I'm not the only one. <laughs> you know what? You're not the only one experienced with high-stakes gambling. I can do the same thing with my wordplay as you do with your casino chips. All right. So, Richie, you love to beat <laughs> systems. Where did that start for you? Is there, like, some sort of fun story of you from as a child about beating a system? 
I think essentially, yeah, I mean, I think it was just growing up in school. I was like uh, a, a smart kid. And I think it's like a, a malicious compliance kind of thing, like along with just listening to punk rock. And um, I hated school work, but I could ace the test. And that's kind of how I've always just gone through life. I just like don't do the homework, can still pass the test, you know. Uh, and so that always just got me interested. Whenever I heard like stories of uh, bank heists, you know, anybody like John Dillinger, any of the guys that can like pull off big scams or schemes without really like hurting the small people you know i'm not i'm not like applauding for for bernie madoff or anything here yeah i'm i mean that's only one person on the podcast and that's only because i take mets unders but like i kind of watch you go through life i was a mover for five years i watched you take the system of moving and turning turn it into one of the most lucrative jobs of anyone i know so this is who you are you know how to win that's true in life that's true in a casino. Do you have any sort of analytics background that we need to know about things, skills you might have that our listeners might want to bone up on? No, I, I mean, I just, I'm, I've always been good with numbers and kind of, you know, looking at different systems and trying to break them down. I think my first one, um, like my first job when I was 16, I worked at a call center for uh, a credit card company and they were all, they, they had this incentive system. I looked at their metrics of how they were paying out commissions, basically, um, and they were like, we want you to stay on the calls and talk to people for like seven to 10 minutes per person. But the way their metrics were, were skewed is basically I could blitz through calls and I was doing the exact wrong thing. So they would like, you know, uphold these people that were like taking really long time with customers and they would like make us listen to their calls. But those people were making like two or $300 a month in commission. And I was doing the exact wrong thing because I saw how their incentive system paid out and I was making like three or four grand a month. <laughs> And they're like, how are you pulling it off, Richie? And I'm like, I don't know. But then I just got fired one day quietly. Yeah, I, Richie. So. I, I had a what? similar thing, but it was uh, stealing from the register at the Lego store. So p probably similar things. R Richie, did, you said <laughs> that you did it when you were in high school? Yeah, I was 16. That, that That's incredible. You know, when I was 16, <laughs> I, was, I, I was working at a grocery store doing nothing. And you just, you're flipping money. Like a boss when you're 16. What, it's like Richie Rich over here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, Except, they, they actually based that character off of him. Um, not because of this. He just grew up with a McDonald's in his house. <laughs> 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 but there are legal systems to, legal ways you can beat a system and won't get fired. What's a legal way you can come at a casino, Richie? Sure. So, I mean, basically to understand, you know, blackjack, um, Everybody knows the game, but essentially when there's, uh, you know, the difference is that the dealer will always keep taking cards where the players have to act first. That's the big, uh, you know, knock against the players in blackjack is that they have to act first and the casino gets to act with a straightforward set of rules um, and they're going to keep drawing cards. So when there's a bunch of those lower cards in the deck, that's when the casino has an even higher advantage. Okay, so this isn't based on the game itself. This isn't based on the loophole. This is based on how a dealer has to behave at the blackjack table? Yeah, the casino operates on one set of rules no matter what, whereas the players react with emotion. They're worried. They're trying to guess what the dealer has. Everything that the dealer does is very straightforward, and they, they bank on that. So the um, like, if you play a perfect game of blackjack, if you know just exactly when you're supposed to hit and split and stand and all that stuff, the house has an edge of like 0.5%. And they're totally cool with that because they deal millions of hands of blackjack 
and they know that they're just for every dollar you put down on the table, they're going to take a nickel of that and uh, only pay back 95 cents of it. Uh, Rich, I have one question. I played blackjack like once and everyone was mad at me at the table because I didn't know what I was doing. Um, what can I curb that? So I don't like people getting mad at me for no reason. Well, yeah, I mean, and that's why I chose blackjack to kind of focus on because you can look this up. I mean, it's it's just it's an age old game and, and they've done, you know, hundreds of hours and thousands of hours of research on this of what is the optimal play in blackjack. So, you know, you you hit on a 12 versus a 10, you know, there's just, there's charts and tables and everything. Mm. Um, and of course it's kind of it, the anger that you were receiving was when someone's messing up the deck, you know, uh -huh. um, essentially if you're not supposed to hit there, if you have a 14 and the dealer has a 10 showing, you're supposed to stand and let the, I'm sorry. Uh, I messed that up. If you have, you know, a 15 and the dealer has a four showing or whatever, you are not supposed to take a card. That next card should be for the dealer and they should bust. However, mm. if you take the card, you bust, and then the dealer then pulls a six or whatever, gets a 20, everybody else loses, you screwed up that hand for the table. Ah, okay. That's where the anger comes from. <laughs> okay, so people are mad at Brian for the same reasons. I can imagine if you're doing this scheme, you get upset at Brian if he's sitting at the table. So this might not be a great show for you, Bammy. So <laughs> we know about blackjacks. We know about dealers having to operate a certain way. And just a side question before we get into the beats of this conversation. I know when you're hot at the blackjack table, I've had it happen once. And I know they'll switch out the dealer for you. If dealers have to operate a certain way, how does switching out the dealer help the casino? Uh, that gets into, the, well, I mean, it, they do just rotate dealers. So it might've just been a coincidence, but uh, there is something called deck penetration. And that's one of the metrics that is studied. And you have to know uh, different casinos train their dealers to, uh, to cut the deck. So, uh, TV timeout real quick. What penetration? What? Yeah, deck penetration. It's with an E, not an I. Okay. Yeah, and deck <laughs> penetration, that, nor, does that, that normally comes before busting, am I right? <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, Ray Parker Jr., when he's saying busting makes me feel good, do, am I to believe that Ray Parker Jr. owns a casino? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Joel. Okay, so... so so with deck penetration, real quick, just to explain that term, uh, when you're at the blackjack table and it's time to get a new shoe, the dealer will give out that plastic card, right? Wait, They'll shoe? They'll hand it to somebody. What's that? It, a shoe? A shoe of a shoe of cards is a, is the the big deck. You know, they'll have like a six deck shoe of cards yeah. or an eight deck shoe. They put it in the big machine. It, it yeah. automatically shuffles it and it kicks out. That's called a shoe of cards. Cool. Is the phrase "Papa needs a new pair of shoes" is that oriented from a shoe deck of cards? Probably. Okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll do an hour on that next week. <laughs> so, okay. We know the advantages. We know why Brian has screwed up the table, and we had a, some laughs along the way. So, what is your exact method? So, this is the basic method that I learned, and, you know, it's, it's just a, an online website. This guy makes a bunch of YouTube videos. Uh, YouTube videos. I, I was watching some of them. He has an online website that will kind of show you a very uh, clear-cut training method. And so the basic method you're learning is first how to count the cards. Uh, that's what everybody refers to as the big card counting. It's very simple, actually. It's uh, This method is any 10 jack, queen, king, or ace that comes up, you're going to take away one. Any seven, eight, or nine, you're going to 
not do nothing, that's a zero. Mm -hmm. And anything six or below is going to be a plus one. So as they're dealing out cards, you have to just keep a running count of, of you know, that's a plus one, minus one, and keep the, you know, the count going. Ah. So somewhat simple, simple. That's where you really start off when you're like learning this. You just go through decks of cards and count it. At the end of the deck, you should have zero. It should ba like balance out. Okay, so this this method of counting, you're doing it off YouTube. You're practicing. How many? What was your routine to get this skill down? Because it's you're not allowed to have a pencil or paper at a casino at a blackjack table. You yeah. Know, you need to have all these figures Rain Man style in your head. Like, what was the level of preparation? I mean, I before I took it to the casino, I studied probably fifty to sixty hours. Okay. Um, and it, yes, it's dedicated. It, it does take Dang. a lot. So the actual math you're doing at the table is very simple. It's all addition, subtraction. You get into a little bit of division. And then the rest of it is memory and knowing exactly what to do in what situations. Um, because, again, so how I referred back, the dealer has a better advantage when there's more low cards in the deck. So once you have, uh, once you're getting rid of those, when I see a bunch of twos, threes, and fours comes out, it's going to raise my number higher. I know when I have a higher number, I am at a better advantage. And that's when I start upping my bet sizes Ooh. and even changing how I play the game. So that basic strategy that I was referring to with Brian earlier that he needs to learn so he stops pissing people off, <laughs> you actually change that and you will start diverting from basic strategy if, say, the count is astronomically high and you know that there are a bunch of tens out there, you will actually start deviating from normal strategy uh, in order to have a higher expected value play. Okay, so awesome. you, off that, you're saying that certain conditions will make you change your strategy. When you're pivoting the way you play, how many other gameplay styles are there for you? It's not really, a, it's not a style. You just, you know, you might take some heat and you have to learn how to defend that heat. You know, when all of a sudden you're taking a card that you should be taking, you're splitting or, or doing something that's a little bit odd. And that's honestly what the dealers are trained to watch out for. So you'll hear, you know, splitting tens or whatever, they'll call that out. The floor manager is back there. And uh, whenever, you know, you change up, if you've been playing with $10 chips and all of a sudden you throw down $100 on a hand, they'll say check change black. And that tells the floor manager, hey, start watching this guy over here. You know, I might Ooh. have some weird, I might have some weird playing deviations from my table over here. Or if you're, you know, splitting tens or whatever, they call back to the floor to alert them to start watching you. So my takeaway so take is you running like a very complicated math intensive scheme is the same to a casino as Brian playing for the first time. You can disguise it, yeah. I mean, and, and you know, if you've, if you've seen the, uh, the movie 21 or, you know, it was based off that book, Taking Down the House, is you would essentially, uh, I mean, the most optimal way that you can run a blackjack card counting thing is with a team. Mm -hmm. And that's so that I can sit there, I can be the weird, you know, nerd that's not talking to anybody because I'm running all the numbers. And once there's a very optimal play, rather than drawing attention to myself and being the guy that went from a $10 bet to all of a sudden betting several hundreds of dollars, I can signal my person over, they're the drunk rich idiot that's going to come over and slam 5000 on the table, no questions asked, because they're just the drunk idiot. 
Yeah, and it's interesting you say 21. I did want to watch that with my comic friends, but uh, Chris D'Elia said he wasn't interested in anything over 16, so I don't know what he meant by that. <laughs> Aren't you proud of me for making a Predator joke out of the movie 21 and it not being about Kevin Spacey? <laughs> A great, great work. So, I like how you want acceptance from this. I, I, I went the road last traveled. I'm Robert Frost of gambling, baby. Oh, my God. Yeah, you know, but oh okay. So you, there's set times with playing blackjack. Is there like a set amount of intervals? Is there like a certain time window you're approaching? Uh, like time of day that I would play at no, or like, how many hours? Like how long is a chunk to you're watching the deck, you're seeing the deck evolve, you've flagged that, you know, maybe people will sit down, they're going to be at a disadvantage because they won't know the context. So when you're approaching this, is it like a two hour window for this strategy to unlo- unfold? What's the window to like unfurl this plan? I mean, you have to react immediately because the deck can change you know, just like that. So we worked on, you work on a true count basis. So like I said, you're doing the basic counting, you know, one, two, three, four, five. If you get high, what you also have to be aware of is how many decks are left, ah. you know, there. If you have a really high count, but you have a whole ton of cards, that's just normal statistical variation that just because you expect cards to ha- happen soon doesn't mean it's going to happen on the next couple hands. You may run into some very bad luck during a time where you're putting some of your biggest bets out on the table. So you have literally, you know, you're, you're, it, it, it kind of depends, but if you shoe, you only have a few cards left to draw. Uh, and if you have a very high count, then that is a thing where it's like, you know, that these next couple of hands are probably going to be those ones that are statistically uh, in your favor. That makes sense. Now the, and, and when I say just real quick to, when I say in my favor, uh, when you execute card counting perfectly, like absolutely perfectly, you're at a two to four percent advantage. So it's not like you're going to get rich quick. You literally go from, you know, probably losing, you know, a nickel every time to probably gaining 10 cents out of every dollar you gamble. OK, so it's not a time window thing. It's like exponential. The more time you're able to play with these increased odds, you become the casino in a sense. You exactly you become the casino. And that is what is so difficult is being perfect all the time because your little mistakes, you lose the count, anything like that. um, You have to get up and walk away because you can't just keep playing through it when you don't have the count or else you're now playing their game with an expected value on their side of of the the line. And silly me, the last time I tried to become a casino, I had to go to a hospital for swallowing that slot machine. Now, my last question, why is this legal? Because you're playing the game that they allow you to play. You're not using any mechanism. You're not using any kind of, uh, you know, any any system that they don't allow. You're just using your brain. And it's been argued in courts over and over. Um, There's been court you're cases over this? Sorry, that's crazy. Court cases? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, wow, that's amazing. So Because people would, people would win chips, and then the casinos would not want to cash out those chips. And they would say, no, you have to. They're, they're doing exactly what you allow them to do. They're, they're not bringing in any paper or pens or magnets or anything else. There's no sleight of hand going on. They're literally just, you know, becoming these little supercomputers and just tracking everything that's been happening and, you know, changing their, uh, their bet sizes to, to, uh, you know, benefit themselves. But it's the rules that the casinos have put. It's, you know, they'll, they'll, um, 
they've stopped paying a lot of places have stopped playing paying three to two on blackjack they'll pay six to five that instantly kills it you can't play that game you can't win money at that game and vegas um, they don't really do three to two anywhere on blackjack do they where can we no, find no. three to two blackjack still in 2021 <laughs> It's the smaller casinos, usually the ones that don't get hit. And that's why, you know, you, you hear about it. You literally try to go in and like rush a casino, get in for a couple of, a couple hours, get in a couple hours of play and then get out before they catch you because <laughs> uh, they are looking out for it. They know. And, and I mean, it's such it's such BS because the second that they track you, the second that they say this guy's playing a game that we lose one percent on is the second they're like, you're out. We're done. We don't want your action. They have the, re- the right to refuse service to anybody. They're not going to get you arrested. They're not going to cut your hands off. But they are just going to say, leave. And you can't do anything about it. Well, all right. So I think we've set the table here. We've talked a little bit about how you prepare to do this. But let's delve into this fully fledged. So if you want to rig a blackjack game at a casino in your favor, how does that idea hit you where did you come up with this that there was this was something you wanted to put 50 to 60 hours in i mean i I was really i was ready to spend a lot more because uh to to reach the actual like statistical advantage over the casino uh with the bankroll that i was going into and like to see an actual rate of return uh it was looking like 200 hours of play that's 200 hours of sitting there under massive amounts of scrutiny and everything else so it was a pretty big undertaking, but like I said, I just studied, um, I was watching these YouTube videos and kind of researching it as much as possible. And I, uh, I got involved on this website and just started training for it. And, you know, it was just a place for me to put money for a while. Uh, I guess it was just some, some new revenue generating stream and yeah. <laughs> so, okay. I know you did that, but it's not like you just did this all on your own. What is the community like surrounding this? process this hobby i don't know what you call it this tactic what is this is it a is it a feel i mean so that's i mean we can send this it's uh i'll name drop him once but it's, it's a guy colin and he runs this website blackjack apprenticeship um he actually has an interesting backstory and that's what kind of intrigued me too is that his is actually church and community based. No, it is a group of Christians, and they, they've had a documentary made about them. I think it's called Holy Rollers. Um, <laughs> I did watch it on Amazon Prime, but it's actually he's he's like a Christian. It's community based, and you know he kind of looked at it and uh, saw that wherever casinos go, the the community suffers. The, they, they never give back to the community. It is not good paying jobs they bring uh, to the community or anything like that. Wow. And I did have in my notes, like, are there nicknames in this community? And like, clearly not because Colin, the Christian card counter, the five C's is about as good as it gets. Did you meet him? I I talked to him on the phone. I did speak with him on the phone for about a half hour. He makes himself available. I mean, it's, it is great training and you, you, as part of the, you know, the education you're buying, you have access to a database of casinos and they list, you know, what the deck penetration is at those casinos, what rules they play by. Uh, you have all these forums and boards that you're talking to people uh, about different pitfalls. You can uh, arrange training and testing out. So that's kind of one of the things that you do before you actually take it to the casino is that you uh, use their software, you're studying, you're playing games online 
and it tests you. It constantly, it'll stop you. You know, you're playing, you play through a full six, uh, six deck of card shoe and it stops you. It says, what's the count right now? What's the true count right now? You know, and it'll Whoa. throw in all these variations. You have to bet perfectly and you have to do this test out perfectly like several times before you actually go into the casino because one slip up and you're back at their mercy. That, that's amazing because that sounds like you're a Jedi. You're training to be a Jedi and then you, you, like, you use the force to make your bets at the casino. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm currently yeah. pursuing two master's degrees at Michigan and this online blackjack course sounds harder than anything i've done <laughs> yeah should i just hit up colin the christian card counter okay so, you might as well okay but what what do his services cost i hear about this community i hear about this christian blackjack counting coach I'm, he's my muse at this point what's the damage on getting ready it was uh it was 500 bucks for a year and then it was like a 250 annual renewal uh, I didn't, you know, a little bit of foreshadowing. I didn't end up renewing for this year once it came back around, but it was last Christmas uh, a year ago. I bought it for myself. I was like, I'm just going to, I'm going to do it. I, I committed to it and I started training. So. I, I mean, that's a beautiful thing. So you were training, we hear 50, 60 hours of watching. And that does it, did that include the practice time with uh, figuring out how to count? Oh, that's, that's 50, 60 hours plus of just practicing. Okay, so total time in terms of having the idea versus when you decided you were ready to take on a casino, how many hours of labor do you think it was? Over 100, probably. Okay, three, yeah. three weeks of work, no big deal. <laughs> and I know we're friends. I feel like I remember you driving up to New England to meet up with someone and, and learning a bit from them. Did that happen or am I misremembering? I think I was planning to at one point, and it, none of the uh, none of the meetings, that, like meeting with people, ever ever came to fruition. Um, I did go, you know, the time that I, I went to go try my first time was it was at Harris, Philadelphia. So I did drive out to Philly to try it. Harris, Philadelphia, and Harris, like I've been to the New Orleans variety. It's probably the most fun casino I've ever been in. I think in large part because they pay out three to two. So how did you end up picking Harris, Philadelphia? Uh, it was just Atlantic City's trash. It's much like Vegas. It's been you know trashed by any any kind of advantage players. They also they call themselves advantage players or APs on like the forums. They're not you know we're not like we're card counters, but you know they've been they've been tainted by people trying to you know screw over the casinos forever. So they have really tight games with bad rules and all that. Uh, upstate New York wasn't that promising either. And so I just, you know, figured I'd try Harry's, Harris, Philadelphia. And there's also something else out there, uh, Sands Casino. No, that's, that's Bethlehem. There's some other casino nearby there that I knew I could also check out. Uh, right. there were, there were a couple out there. So, and I don't know how the New Orleans variation is, but go to Harris, Philly. And it's, it's a bunch of people. It's a bunch of like Bam Margera's moms and dads running around. Yeah. And like you go to the, a casino in the middle of a city. Worst mistake I ever made in a, in a casino was going to a Detroit one on Mushrooms Christmas Day. There were a lot of river monsters in that place. <laughs> but I've been to the Detroit casinos. They're nasty. They're very nasty. And, you know, Canada's got great ones and Cuban cigars just across the border. Come on, just go through customs. It's fine. So are there certain states that are better for this approach than others? I think it is the smaller casinos. And a lot of the people that I was, was talking with on online, it's like, you know, 
Biloxi. Uh, it's just kind of like flyover towns that you wouldn't really even consider. And they have the casinos and they're not, they don't get a lot of advantage players or card counters or anything like that happening that often. Uh, not only that, they're isolated from other casinos. If you go to you know a place that has a strip of casinos, they're now contacting each other. They're most likely working with each other, even under different you know banners or, or brands or companies. They're still contacting each other through security. So it's the smaller little casinos out in the middle of nowhere uh, that are probably offering friendlier rules and to try to get people in the door, and they won't really know what hit them until they're down you know a couple grand. All right. So is there anything that um, went into you selecting Harrah's or is just like, nah, no Atlantic City? No Atlantic. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it was just they, they had good uh, deck penetration. I know Harris Harris Philly online. People were saying that they had the best deck penetration. OK. And before we get into this, before I have some other questions, just a tangent. Is there a historic example of someone just really finding a great outcome with these tactics? Well, there's the you know the MIT team that uh, the whole movie was was based around. Um, they took I think tens of millions of dollars at the end of it uh, from casinos. Uh, this guy uh, Colin, he also ran and you know a group. He he studied it. He made a few million off casinos, and he also has an entire group now. And this is again like. The documentary is fascinating because it's a church group. They go to church on Sundays and then they meet after the church group to talk about, you know, what casino they're going to go to next and, you know, different tactics. But they have, you know, a, a team bankroll that they go and they will play individually and report their earnings back. And then they will also go and do like kind of team attacks sometimes as well. Okay, so they 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 pull together, they share resources, and I know you're something of a lone wolf. What did you wear, and what was your bankroll? <laughs> I just wore pretty basic clothing. I think I might have worn a hat. Um, that's a dead giveaway. That's a dead giveaway. <laughs> now that I see it, now that I look back, <laughs> like if you're looking at between us three right now, who's the card counter? It's Joel. He's wearing a hat. <laughs> yeah, like I could never do this. I've been caught for every bad thing I've ever done in my life. I, 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 I wouldn't even be allowed a seat at the table. I don't think. But Brian. <laughs> We get this guy an earpiece. We tell him what to do. He's our money maker right there. Oh, oh no, no. I, I would squeal like in two seconds. Like, be like, no, 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 no. It's not me. It was that church guy, Colin. I didn't know anything. <laughs> okay, so what's your bankroll walking into the casino? So I went with, I only went with a couple thousand dollars and. I had told myself that my entire bankroll for poker was, or I'm sorry, for blackjack was going to be 20,000. I had 20,000 set aside. I said, I'd go with that. Um, at $20,000, you have to, part of the conversation that you sit down with uh, a call and, and you work out your bankroll because it's kind of the classic saying that the, the market can remain, uh, market can remain irrational longer than you can remain solvent. Um, you have to plan to overcome like negative variance and everything. Even if you're doing everything right, you can still lose. Again, I'm I'm at a two to four percent advantage. That's not a huge thing. It's not a guaranteed win. So um, I went with a twenty thousand dollar plan. He told me that my, I can expect to make about twenty one dollars an hour playing perfectly, and I'm like, that wasn't 
that much. So I opted for a more aggressive betting strategy. Um, I figured I would kind of swing for the fences on the first couple thousand. And if I had positive variance, I would make a, you know, a much larger amount. If I had negative variance, I would burn through, you know, maybe 25% of my bankroll early and then really slow down with the other 15K. And on a per hand basis, what are the figures commensurately? Um, I actually had that. Let me see. I can pull that up. But it was basically I was betting anywhere from uh, 10 or $15. My maximum would be taking two hands at $250 each. So there would be times where you have $500 out on the table. Um, playing that way also, of course, attracts a lot of heat. As I mentioned, mm -hmm. if I'm going from playing 10 or $15, sometimes walking away when the, the deck count can get so bad that you're actually just supposed to not play. You, you take a phone call, you go get a drink, you find a way to get away from that table because you're at such a uh, statistical disadvantage to the dealer, you just walk away. So from going to that to all of a sudden trying to splay out $500 on the table, that can bring some heat pretty quickly. Okay, so if you're keeping a live count in your head, right, that's the process of which, that you perform this task with. Mm -hmm. And what number do you have to hit that tells you, okay, time to take a starburst break? Uh, that would be a negative two and below. Uh, you, you could walk away at a negative one. So uh, again, you, you, you have a running count. Say I get to a negative six, and I know that there are six decks of cards left still. I'm now at a true negative one. You just divide it. You take the, the full count that you have, divide it by the number of decks that are left, and you say, okay, I'm at a negative one now. So you deviate your betting strategy. You deviate your, the way you're playing the cards based on what that true count is in your head. Okay, so you're at Harris. You're wearing normal clothes. You got a bankroll and an aggressive plan. How does it go? You're nervous at first. The hardest part about this is doing all this. You're tracking so many things and trying to not act like you're doing that. You know, you're trying to act like an idiot that wants to drink a beer and smoke a cigarette and, you know, complain about his wife and talk about the sports team that's on with the dealer. You're trying to not act like you're taking a math test. And when... I, you weren't drinking during this period, right? No. Did no, you take drinks at the casino table to throw them off your scent? No, I would just get water. I, you know, I'd get seltzer or whatever. I would try to be as normal as possible. It's not because some of these people online, they've had never even been at a casino. So they're like losing their mind, just like seeing all the glitz and glamour and lights and everything. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I was very comfortable being in a casino, but it's just the feeling that you're, you don't want to get caught. You know, you don't want to, uh, you don't want them to know that you have the advantage for the first time in your life there. Wow. That's what's hard. <laughs> I mean, that's crazy. I'm so impressed with this story. I feel like I should give you the professional gambler moniker, but <laughs> I, but let's be real. That's that tracksuit kind of smells at this point. Yeah. I wouldn't want it. <laughs> okay. So how do these games go? Uh, I lost money. That's the, that, that's honestly the kicker is I lost money. Um, again, if I told you, Every time you flip a coin, right, it's going to be, you you know, a coin is 50% heads or tails, right? Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean you can still flip it 20 times in a row and get all heads. Like, variances do happen. And so even with perfect play, you're going to have variances, and that's where it comes into the bankroll management and everything else. So I was actually playing. I played for about two and a half, maybe three hours. And um, I think probably my first mistake was I did get there kind of late. I think I arrived at maybe around 10, 10.30 p.m., and it was like a weekday 
night, you know, it wasn't like popping off or anything. So they were able to give a little more uh, direct attention to each individual player. But I played like two to three hours. Um, I was just kind of up and down, you know, no big, big uh, wins or losses, but I had made a couple of big bets out there. And I went in there planning on not using my player's card. You know, I do have a rewards card, but I was like, I'm going to go in there totally incognito, baseball cap, jacket, you know, normal guy that's like, ah, I don't want to be recognized, just want to throw some cash down, play for a little bit. Yeah, because everyone knows when you're going to go to a casino, play blackjack, you got to dress like Leonardo DiCaprio in The Departed. As boring as possible, baseball cap pulled down low. That's the idea. Yeah. So I was just looking to get some practice in, you know? But, uh, yeah, I was up and down for a couple hours. I think I had a couple big plays. I maybe got like two hands of with like with like a hundred or 150 out on each one. The the count got atomically high. I got super excited. I still lost those hands because that's it. Just that's how it works. You can still lose. So I lost a few hundred dollars. And in all the excitement, I had I knew I lost count. I forgot what what the exact count was in the cars and everything. So I got up to walk away and leave. And I uh, I went to the cafeteria. I called my girlfriend. We were just talking a little bit about how it was going. Uh, I got some pizza, and the mistake was I used my credit card to buy the pizza at the food courts no. in Paris. No. Yeah. But you were, you yeah. lost. You lost this money. I know. Then you bought a pizza. I mean, I understand. I've been tracked down from stealing a lawn ornament because of a credit card. I can't imagine being tracked down to unsuccessfully count cards. How did they even know you were doing it? that's the that's the pain in the ass i i I, that's what i was trying to figure out but i went and got pizza uh you know just sat there on my phone and drank something and and then went back to playing so i walked over to a different bay of tables i played there for about an hour and again my mistake of going too late to the casino is probably maybe one in the morning they were closing down that bay of tables so they came over to me and they're like, Hey, we, we have a spot for you over at this table. We're going to close this table down. So like now I'm getting personalized Ooh, attention. I don't like that. No, they're no, like, we no, got a spot no. for you over at this table. Come on over here. So I moved over there. I'm playing with two guys. They're, you know, normal dudes talking, asking what to do, everything else. <laughs> I just imagine three guys. They're all in hoodies and baseball caps <laughs> being nonchalant as possible. <laughs> I was trying to watch for it too. That's that's one thing is you sit there and when people are changing their bet sizes, you know, I know what the count is. I know that I might up my bet a little bit and then you watch and sometimes the count just like is horrible and I should be walking away and then someone next to me raises their bet size and I'm like, this guy has no idea what he's doing. You know, he, he's making a worse bet than he even thought to begin with. So so they moved me over to the special table with, with two other guys. Oh, hold and... up, hold up. Let's go into detail on how you are moved. Who approaches you? What exactly do they say? Because I know you're you know your way around the casino. What yeah, but they... the, well, this and this is it, this is a, a semi-normal thing. You know, they do it in a very, you know, customer service way of like, hey, we're closing down. They were. They were closing down. There was a, a, a bay of tables I was playing at. I think they were lower stakes. So as the casino kind of empties out, they close down those like get people in the door type games where they're like making, you know, letting you do $5 minimum bets. They're like, all right, if you want to keep playing here, $10, $15 minimum uh, per hand. So they were nice about it. They're like, hey, we're closing down this bay. Move you over here. We have a seat reserved for you. You can hop right in. Um, so I did that. And 
was playing for maybe like 15, 20 minutes and someone came up this, I don't know, 55 year old woman just came up and said, Mr. Tollway. And that's when I was like, Ooh, I think they were doing like a lower bet size, you know, and that's kind of standard procedure uh, in the casinos is that, you know, once you're later in the, later in the night, it's one in the morning or whatever, uh, all those kind of tables that are to get people in the door, you know, cheap blackjack tables or whatever, they'll close those down. If you want to stay here, you're playing for 10 or 15 bucks. So that's all pretty normal stuff. I wasn't too alarmed when they moved me over. It was just when she came up and tapped me on the shoulder and said, Mr. Tollway, can you come here for a second? That's when I kind of panicked. And where did she take you? Just, I mean, just literally a step back. And, and, uh, I, it was a late night, and at that point, I think I was down about five or six hundred dollars, um, and I was kind of pissed off that I was getting uh, backed off. They call it. I was getting backed off, and she said, "She said uh, we don't want your action here, so you're, we're going to have you just take your chips over to the cashier. You can cash out there, and we're going to ask you to leave the property, please." Wow. So. so it's it's done very nicely. It's done very professionally, you know. And they don't want you to make a scene. Like they, their whole thing is they they want to be very quiet. Hey, go and leave. And uh, so, the, but, but the two guys that I was with, you know, that I was playing with, they took notice and they're like, what's going on? Why do you have to leave? Did you, did you rob a bank or something? Like they were making this big stink about it. <laughs> I was like, I was like, no, it's uh once you, once you know how to play, they don't want you to play here anymore. And just kind of like gave her a side eye, but. Well, let's see that side eye. Let's see that glare you gave her. <laughs> 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 okay. So you didn't make any money and why did you stop playing that night because of the security guards in did you try this out again any other places yeah okay so well what happened is i i then went over to the cashier uh i think i had you know purchased maybe seven or eight hundred dollars in chips and i think i had like a hundred in chips left i went and i gave them the chips normally Again, I've done this hundreds of times. You walk over with some chips, you hand it to them, they have you hand you cash back. They said, we just need your ID to be able to cash this out. And I was like, no, you don't. And I found out later, they absolutely didn't. They had no right to ask for my ID, but they said, we need your ID to cash this out. So I gave them my ID. I just wanted to get out of there. And she takes my ID, runs over to the phone. Yeah, Richard, Tollway, T-O, she's spelling it out. And I'm like, oh, I'm screwed. I'm so screwed. So uh, Don't you share a name with your dad? Yeah, yeah. So he's also probably not allowed back in Harris, <laughs> Philadelphia. So you you counted cards unsuccessfully and got yourself and probably your father banned from a casino. And did you try this out again anywhere else? Yeah. So then I went. I think it's Parks Casino. Now that I I, I think it's Parks Casino. So I went that night, which was another mistake. Uh, I went, you know, to Parks to try it out again. Um, and I ended up on a table that was a $25 minimum bet, which was pretty hefty for my, my bankroll. That was going to be stretching my bankroll. And, you know, at that point I'm like, I'm kind of tilted. Uh, I'm on edge, you know, I'm just like, I'm pissed off and shaking. And like, I'm so confused because getting backed off, it's kind of, uh, it's, it's like a, a blessing and a curse all at once because I'm there to learn. I'm there to make sure I'm doing all the right moves and that means if a, someone up in the sky in on the cameras says this guy's an advantage player, it was kind of like a little badge of honor of like I am an advantage player now, you know. That's not bad. Yeah. Were you connected to the casino Wi-Fi? That's one smoking gun question I have. 
No, no, I was not. Okay, that's just another way I was worried about it. And like, maybe did you look at any blackjack related things on your phone or? No, I wasn't. I wasn't researching anything. Wow, this is getting really tinfoil hat, Joel. I mean, I'm just trying to just. My my question to ask is uh, how whether or not these variables were controlled, and it seems as though they were. Because hey, I think I am the layman, just like many of our viewers will be. So. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, again, they're not that. It, it's it's all very obvious. What you're doing is very obvious. And if you if you go and join and you read up on these people on like stories of people getting backed off, you know, you go in some casinos and if you're using advantage play and you're changing your bet sizing, sometimes the dealers who are on your side because you know they don't really care. It's not coming out of their paycheck or anything, but they'll even tell you, they're like, dude, it's too obvious. You know, like some, like some advantage players have been told, like, I can't believe you're doing this right now, dude. Come on. Like it's way too obvious. (laughs) And okay. Hearing this. So what happened at parks? So I went to parks. I found this lovely older lady who knew exactly what I was doing. Just an amazing dealer. She knew exactly what I was doing. Okay. So back to that deck penetration, which I know I've hit on a couple of times, but The thing is, when I'm counting cards, like I told you, if I'm counting a deck of cards, I can tell you exactly what that last card is going to be, whether it's going to be a zero through six, a seven, eight, nine, or a 10 through eights, right? So you're like a magician. (laughs) I'm pretty much a magician. So when you take six decks, the, the, the further you allow me to get to that end of the deck, the more accurate my predictions are. You know, I can pretty much guarantee what those last few cards are after watching six, after counting six full decks. So that deck penetration is important. So um, she was giving me a really, really light deck penetration. She was only cutting off maybe half of a deck of cards. Normally they cut off anywhere from one deck to maybe two, two and a half, which like two and a half decks is unplayable. It's leaving way too many cards that you're never going to see. And before you just get a new shoe, right? So she was giving me this amazing dream scenario, uh, letting me play almost all the way up to the very end of the deck. And I lost twelve hundred dollars. So they were cool with you losing money while cheating. Harris was not. So you lose twelve hundred dollars. It's late in the day. You don't. Do you get kicked out again? I didn't get kicked out. I just walked away at that point because it was you know a couple grand down. I think on my first adventure. Um, but that's kind of really like where it goes down to is like would I recommend it? Not really because you're looking at something that you're going to be playing for hours. And it's again, the the market can remain irrational longer than you can remain solvent. It's very hard to deal with it. And I, I, when I was thinking about renewing my subscription and kind of uh, trying to get back into it. Also, this was right before COVID. I think that's the biggest thing of why I, I stopped doing this is this was right before COVID lockdowns happened. And so card counting is way harder now because there's way fewer players and there's way you know it's way easier to pay attention to the few players you do have on the floor yeah and you can't really card count at an online casino i don't think you absolutely cannot because those uh those casinos actually cut off about half of that that stack of cards so you have eight decks of cards you're only seeing four decks worth and the counting is just completely inaccurate at that point. Okay. So in this adventure that I don't think you had full conclusion on, did you have any lessons that informed your gambling in just moving forward? I mean, it made me look at expected value a lot. It made me kind of consider that more. Um, And I always try to, you know, use that analysis, but um, 
big takeaways. No, I wish I could have made a better run at it. Um, and I might in the future. I mean, it's still like it's it's on the table. But um, I do know, you know, I'm, I'm watching people on these forums that have put in the work. They've done, you know, 100, 200 hours of play. And your expected value might be on one line. And your actual value may still be way below that. And you're not making anywhere near the amount you thought you'd be making uh, because you have to still get to this long run game where you're playing hundreds of hours. And to do this for hundreds of hours where you're traveling a lot, you're, you know, being deceptive and deceitful the entire time while like running a, a math computation in your head, it's pretty stressful for, you know, say a $40 an hour job. So, <laughs> yeah, I think so. So you learned your lesson. It might not be for you, but you're still the best gambler I know. You're still the person who taught me how to play poker. So thank you for teaching me the way Colin, the Christian card counter taught you. Of course, man. Anytime. All right, Richie Toway. Thank you for hanging out with us. Thank you for telling your tales. And, you know, even though you got uh, recognized at a casino, thank you for putting this out there in a video that's going to be published. <laughs> Yeah, watch out for me, Harris. I'm I'm ready to lose another couple thousand dollars anytime. Yeah, and, you know, Harris, um, don't watch out for me because um, you know, I'm not very smart. I didn't learn anything from that conversation, and that's just me being honest. <laughs> All right, so thank you so much, Richie Tollway. Thanks, Richie. Wow, Richie Tollway. I thought that was going to be a wild story, and he did not disappoint. I cannot believe he got recognized by buying pizza a, with a credit a, card. A pizza. A pizza. I, I don't this casino, they they know too much. I don't like it. Yeah, usually people only go down from buying pizza when, you know, they get diabetes or a heart attack later in life. But props to Richie for getting banned from a casino for doing the same thing. And hey, maybe you can watch the film 21 in a new light i think one of the side characters is one of the most beautiful women i've ever seen in a film and you know i haven't seen her in anything else so you might enjoy that and you might enjoy this story and for all things gambling for all things related to the colorful world of trying to find an edge that's why we're here at the props network that's our mission that's our purpose and we're doing it every week every day every hour basically to give you this knowledge, to give you a good user experience. So smash that like, smash that subscribe, and don't buy pizza at Harris Casino. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>